Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 3, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from culinary sleuthing to recipe ideas and interviews with people who are passionate about food and delicious adventures. So join me here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some laughs, conversation, and I welcome you at my table always. So if you're ready, let's jump into our next food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, Season 3, what? And I'm your host, Beth Fuller. I can't believe it's Season 3. If you're new, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, welcome. You have a lot of catching up to do. No, no pressure, no pressure. You've been here through all the seasons. Well, I love you and thank you for listening to me every week chattering away. And you know what I'm going to say, don't take notes. I've taken all of your notes, so head on over to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. And while you're there, take in that amazing food, product, and lifestyle photography. It's what I do for a living. So if you need photos, I'm your gal. Hit me up. If you've got questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any 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 kind i'm your gal send me an email let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and of course tag me in all of your food adventures on instagram at let's go on a food adventure all right you guys let's do this let's go on a food adventure hey 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 how is everyone out in the podcast land it's nice to be with you this week Thanks for being here. I am, uh, how was your week last week? I don't really have a lot of new things to report from my kitchen. Um, It's been, last week I was down for the count. I got some weird bug thing. I tested negative for COVID like 147,000 times, so I can safely rule that out. But it was, I just wasn't feeling good. Um, So I needed a week to rest relax, recoup. And it was like a weird cooking eating week. I, um, I, I don't, I don't remember really what I ate. I didn't eat a ton and I didn't, I made weird things. Like one night I was like, I just want to eat pancakes. I just want to have pancakes. I don't know why I don't feel good. I just want pancakes. And so like I made pancakes for dinner, like another night. Um, I, well, I definitely ate ramen twice, takeout. Oh, so good. It's so good. And it's like the, it's seriously like a hug in your tummy good. It's so, I love ramen. I can, and I like all different kinds of ramen. I'm not just like, um, you know, I do like a pork broth based ramen. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I also like vegetarian ones, chicken ones. I'm, I'm a ramen enthusiast. I like all of them. I'm not going to lie. The super spicy ones, I'm not a massive fan of um, just because I do like them, but it, sometimes spice is a little too spicy for me, you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, it was just a weird, a weird relaxing week, but it was a good week. It was a good week. Um, so this week, we just need to get right into this because it is a super fun, inspiring interview. So let's hold on one second. Let's get that music going. 
Okay, there's the fun music. My guest this week. Oh, she is just such a ray of sunshine and just one radiates joy. And the conversation, so fucking inspiring. So inspiring. She has been a dietitian for well over a decade and then some. She is just incredibly heart-centered. She has a, a wonderful and refreshing approach to self-care, coping skills, mental health, exercise, sleep, boundaries, and she really helps you to create a real mindset, mindset shift. Say that four times fast. Within you. So without further ado, please, please welcome to the podcast, Lexi Penny. Hi, Lexi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's so good to see your smiling face. Thanks for coming on the pod. Of course. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. So it's, I think January is one of those months and I'm sure you're seeing an uptick in clients that people are so health focused in January. Like even though they should be kind of all year round, I'm sure you see a big uptick right now, which is why I was like, oh my God, we have to have Lexi on the pod because I've had so many listeners write in questions and I'm like, I need a specialist to lean in and answer these. So thank you so much for lending a hand and helping the listeners out. Of course. I'm happy to be here. So tell everyone a little bit about you, where you grew up, where are you now? Yeah. So I was born and raised on good old Cape Cod, um, which for people who aren't familiar is, um, like a little, a little tiny piece of land that juts out, um, at the tip of Massachusetts, which is a beautiful beach town. It's really awesome. In the summer, you get like an influx of a ton of people. You make a ton of new friends. It's really fun, but the winters are really brutal, really desolate, really quiet depressing um, very yeah. depressing like very huge. depressing and the other thing people may or may not know cape cod for which is not a good thing is it has a huge opiate um yeah. problem and alcohol problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yep um which i have personal experience with i've been sober nine years this march congratulations years. yeah so not that being from the cape made me an alcoholic but it definitely contributed to like you know, there's a lot of boredom. There's nothing to do. There's a lot of access to things there. Um, beautiful place to grow up, but you know, also has its, its downsides. So I knew right away, (laughs) as soon as I could think, I was like, I want to live in a city. Like I just knew I wanted to not live on the Cape. Um, and so I actually ended up going to school at UConn, but as soon as I graduated there and moved to Boston and I've been here ever since. Um, and I love it. So I live in Brighton now, but I've lived kind of all over, all over Boston. Um, and I love it. There's, you know, there's always something to do. There's like a lot of great food, um, a lot of different people and I'm close enough to the Cape, you know, my sister is yeah. five children. So I like to be close to them. So it's, it's a nice, easy, you know, hour and a half ride there with no traffic, <laughs> with no traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go in like the middle of the night <laughs> to avoid. Totally. To avoid totally. Yeah. I mean, the Cape's so beautiful. And the other thing I think that people don't realize about the Cape is when you grow up there, I didn't grow up on the Cape. I just know a lot of people who did that. There's a lot of have and have nots because when you vacation on the Cape, you have to have money to vacation on the Cape. It's not a cheap place to 
go. And when you live there year round, you don't tend to have necessarily the the income and the wealth that some other people do to vacation there or have vacation homes there or and there's a real line of the people who are extremely wealthy and then the middle class. There's not really an upper middle. I mean, I could be wrong with this and I could just be speaking out of turn, but it just feels like there's um, the people who work and try to live on the Cape year round and then the people who have the summer homes there who kind of just come and go and it's it's a tough it's not it's a beautiful place to live but it is a tough place to live year round yeah that's what a lot of people will assume they'll say you know I'll say I'm from the Cape and they're like oh my god you must be so happy and rich I'm like no and no I'm depressed (laughs) Definitely not rich. so it's funny there's a big misconception it's beautiful you know my sister loves her kids there because you're right on the beach you know there's it's beautiful nature and stuff and it's you know got that small town nice vibe yeah just not for me. I love no. Boston. Boston's where my heart and soul is for sure. Totally. I lived in the North End for a long time. So I completely understand what it's like to live. And Brighton is right basically in the heart of the that nook of the city. And you've got a yes. lot of youth in Brighton, a lot mm-hmm. of youthful energy constantly yes. around yes. you. Yes. Lots um, of colleges, universities around me. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. It's a great place to be. So what made you want to be a dietitian? Uh, so it started when I was very, very little. I became a vegetarian when I was four years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we had, um, we had chickens as pets. We didn't eat them, but we had chickens, we had goats, we had rabbits, we had cats, dogs, um, just a lot of animals I grew up around. And I, for some reason had a, a big aff- affinity for the, uh, chickens and I named them all and, you know, took care of them. And at a really young age, I put two and two together. Like I'm eating my friends, like not literally those chickens, but I'd be like, what are we having for dinner? My mom said chicken. And I'm like, chicken, like, but we have chickens. Like, what do you mean? Um, And so that I've been a vegetarian ever since it's, it's always stuck with me. Just um, not that I think everybody should be a vegetarian. I don't have that philosophy of like pushing on other people, but for me, it's just never connected in my brain of like to eat animals. That's great. Not worked for me. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was the first kind of foray into like, uh, being on a particular, you know, kind of like eating path that felt within my values. Um, that then my parents took me to a doctor, you know, just to kind of make sure that they, that we were doing it right. Just in terms of like nutritionally speaking, like making sure that I was getting what I needed. And immediately she was kind of like, you know, just jumped on my throat about like, you know, you're not going to grow properly. You're not, you know, your, your brain isn't going to be developed. Like all this just really negative stuff of not like supporting me in my, you know, endeavors to be like, Hey, like, just make sure you eat enough of this, you know, because right. you're eating it from me. Um, and that was maybe when I was like eight, like seven, eight, but I remember that really vividly being like, you know what, that's not right. Like people should be able to follow what, you know, feels right for them. Um, and then my dad, um, has always been in a larger body and struggled with his relationship with food growing up. And originally, um, my sort of MO was, I want to help people not be in larger bodies. Like I want to help people lose weight so that the, um, you know, they don't get bullied that they don't get, um, you know, he would get shit from his doctor. Like I want to help people be small so that they can move through the world easier. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is now, you know, I've been a dietitian for 11 years. I've been in practice, you know, private, my own private practice for six. 
Now it's the complete opposite. I'm really focused on creating a more inclusive world, Mm -hmm. not changing the bodies. The bodies are not the problem. The world is the problem that Mm -hmm. we don't have a supportive gym environment. We don't have a supportive healthcare environment. We don't have supportive friends and family. Like his body wasn't the problem. You know, his, his environment did nothing to help his relationship with food. It made it 7,000 times worse. Yeah. So that's my focus now is kind of not, not, you know, I don't believe that the bodies are wrong. I believe the, the system, the environment, you know, those things that are not supportive of all bodies, um, is wrong. So kind of a, an interesting journey. Yeah. That's fascinating. Well, and I love you. So many people use, um, I I don't want to say trigger words, but they are trigger words, especially for someone like, I mean, myself, I've had a really intense relationship with food and my weight for my entire life and something I'm very open about. And, uh, you know, I don't say I'm trying to lose weight. I say, oh, I'm trying to release weight. And it's like using certain words to help take the, um, the stigma off of it, the pressure off, because you know, when you reframe things, it does help. And I've, I've done, I've worked with coaches in the past. And when you said eating path, I was like, oh my God, that's such a beautiful way to say that, which is because a lot of people would say, oh, I'm on a vegetarian diet. And mm-hmm. the word diet is such a trigger word for, I mean, pretty much all of society. It's nobody wants to be on a diet. It's a shitty word. It's it's just a word. We just have a lot of um, emotion and past and judgment and things plopped on top of that word. But eating path is such a beautiful way to say that. And just being able to like move through life with ease mm-hmm. in any shape that you are, I think is really important. And also, I mean, there's certain reasons why people need to release weight for, for health reasons and things like that. But it's also, um, it sounds like, there's a level of acceptance that you also try to help people get on board with as well, because you can't really change unless you accept where you are and there's totally. nothing wrong with accepting where you are. That doesn't mean that you failed by accepting where you are. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So, um, so being a dietitian and being in the field for so long, you've seen all these like ebbs and flows of there's things that come in, things that go out, uh, fads, like I just said, trigger words, what kind of sets you, and I think you just touched on it a little bit in our conversation a moment ago, apart from others, because there's a lot of dietitians in this world, just like for me, there's a lot of food photographers in this world. And I have a certain style that I have, and I'm sure you do too. What is yours? Yeah, I think two big things set me apart um, that come to mind. One is that I'm a dietitian that doesn't, um, promote or necessarily focus on weight loss, which is huge. I think, you know, you think dietitian, you think weight loss, you think food police, you think restriction, you think diet, you know, you think all those things. And so I'm a dietitian that doesn't put on people on diets or doesn't focus on weight loss, which I think is obviously very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something you just said that reminded me of, you know, a really important piece of my philosophy is that whether someone, um, loses weight or not as a result of working together, um, whatever their reasons for wanting to lose weight. You know, I have this conversation from a place of a ton of thin privilege, which is really important to note. 
um, that I don't know what it's like to live in everyone's bodies and what that pressure is like. Sometimes it is the safe thing to try and lose weight if you're getting harassed on a daily basis. Um, but that being said, I really try and just take that, um, take that down a notch, a level of importance, because when people are so focused on weight, it often, we often end up doing really weird things with food (laughs) that just make someone's health, you know, 10,000 times worse. So if I can even just try and shift their focus more towards actually healing their relationship with food and creating a more positive relationship with their body, you know, cause it's really hard to take care of something that you hate. Yeah. It's really hard, right? Yeah. It's like my cat was just sick. And like, if I hated her, like I wouldn't bring her to the vet in the middle of the night, you know, like you have to create some sort of relationship that is a little bit more positive with your body to support some of the behaviors that we're trying to create with food. So I think that's one big piece that, um, sets me apart. And then the other piece that kind of ties into that, you know, a lot of dietitians just talk about food, uh, which makes sense, right? That's kind of like our bread and butter. That's, that's what makes a lot of sense in terms of, um, this type of work. However, I always tell my clients, I'm like, we're going to talk about food, but we're not really going to talk about food, you know? So I, um, am not afraid to have the sort of challenging, difficult conversations that are 10 steps below someone's relationship with food, Mm -hmm. uh, which is one big reason I'm going back to school to become a therapist because there's a lot of trauma tied into this. There's a lot of, you know, just a lot of, you know, family dynamic relationship stuff. Um, I found myself saying, this is something that would be helpful to work through with a therapist a lot. And so if I was a therapist that could help people, but even right now, you know, I really try and dig deep underneath those food behaviors that someone's having to really, you know, do the actual kind of like soul work with them. So I think those two things kind of come to mind. Yeah. The whole entire time you're talking, I'm like, wow, this is like a food therapy session. This isn't just, this isn't just like you said, keeping a food journal, um, counting calories, trying to increase your water, more vegetables, like all the things that, that get preached to a lot of people, but it's, there's so everything is so much more rooted in the I mean the muck of it and when you start it's like therapy it's like as a lot of therapists and analogies people make peeling back the onion that you start layer by layer and you're like well you're eating a whole box of oreos but why and you keep saying why and then why and it's how deep are you willing to go and you know I've been in therapy for (laughs) long 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 time and it's fabulous I'm a huge advocate for therapy I everybody I know I'm like go to therapy yeah when you don't need therapy that's when you go to therapy and you like you'll be surprised you might and you like you you just build such a good foundation with yourself and anyway um so I think that's just fan fucking tastic because you're you're oh you're such on a good path for yourself and for everyone else and the work you're doing is so amazing and also like I'm sure being a therapist like which you basically are you're a dietitian who is a therapist who is so many more things than just you know the being a dietitian that you also need to find your own support because you, I can only imagine hearing how to compartmentalize all of that. Like for yourself has got to be exhausting. 
This isn't easy work for you. Even though you love what you do, it's gotta be hard, right? Like it is. Oh. Yeah. And I think even more so when I become a therapist and I'm going even deeper with people, it's going to be important to stay on top of my own stuff. But yeah, I've had, you know, same as you, I've had a therapist for as long as I can remember. Um, I also try and get what's called supervision, um, which is basically like another dietitian that you can just talk certain things out mm. with about, you know, if you're having a hard time with, with a, a client or kind of like coming up on a barrier with them that you need help getting through or just want to vent. Um, so that's something that has kind of like ebbed and flowed in my career of like different periods of, of time or different clients I'm working with to get that supervision. Um, but yeah, my self-care is like huge. Like I'm yeah. very big into I'll also practicing what I preach, but so that I can continue to show up for people in this way. But it is interesting you know, I, my mom always said, like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And that, that really is how I feel. Like I, I end my day and I'm like, how am I getting paid for this? Like, I I love it. I really do feel like I get a lot of energy from the work I do with people. So it doesn't feel, you know, really draining and like, oh my God, I have to go self-care, but it's definitely important just to make sure that I'm kind of like mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, fit to be able to have these kind of conversations and focus on people, you know, in that way. Totally, totally. No, and it's, I think our parents, uh, I think I might be a few years older than you are, but my parents said the exact same thing to me. It's like that generation of people have always said, because they, they watched their parents work so hard doing things they didn't necessarily love doing, grinding it out. And then just to get a house and su- support a family. And then they they were able to dabble more in what they love, but they want us to really dabble in what yes. we love. <laughs> yeah. because, and my, my parents said the exact same thing. And I found something that I love doing too that doesn't feel awesome. like work. Some days feel like work. Some days aren't yeah. easy, but most sure. of most of the majority of them do. I find a lot of joy too. So I, I feel you. Um now, when it comes to food, nutrition, everything, it's such a huge umbrella term. Like it's, it's, there's so much, um, like we're talking about emotion, pre-programmed crap in our head. And now with social media and everything else that we are constantly berated with all day long. Cause when I was a kid, it was commercials. You'd see like a commercial for fucking yes. like Dunkaroos and you're like, yes. Oh my God, mom, I want Dunkaroos. Now. And then Atkins, the next commercial. Right. Exactly. Or like, uh, God forbid you put on here in new England, Phantom Gourmet. If you're like scrolling through on the weekends and all of a sudden it's like the food channel or Phantom Gourmet or, uh, watching, you know, Giada De Laurentiis making something on the something Italian. You're like, Oh my God, I wasn't hungry. Now I'm starving. How, like, where do you even begin with your clients? Because they're walking in with one thing, but they have a whole laundry list of crap behind them that like, they don't even realize they might not even be self-aware that they know, you know, like you're scrolling through TikTok and you're like, oh my God, now I want this. Oh my God. Now I want a croissant. Oh my God. Look at that. Like, wh- where do you begin? Yeah. Um. By the time people get to me, they've kind of been through a lot of shit when it comes to their relationship Mm. with food in their body. Like they've been really just through the ringer. They've done all the diets. They've done all the cleanses, all the detoxes, all this, all that. 
all the retreats, you know, and by the time they get to me, they're kind of like, now what, like, what's up? Like, what do you, what do you have for me? Yeah. What are you, what you know? snake oil are you selling me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What can you do? <laughs> yeah. So, um, the first, the very first thing I do with them is I have them bring me through what I call their food and body story. So I have them start from the very, very beginning. Like, tell me your very first memories of food and your body. And sometimes it's helpful for people like chronologically to think, okay, elementary school, this happened, then middle school, then high school, you know, and kind of so on and so forth. Um, And in that session, that first session, that usually takes up the whole first, you know, hour session. Uh, Sometimes Sometimes two, probably. (laughs) Um, And in that, in that session, it's really important for two reasons. One, it helps them to start to kind of connect the dots of where this all started. Cause most of them, they've said, I have a shitty relationship with food and someone's given them a meal plan. Someone's given them a diet. Someone's just given them something to cover it up. It just covers it up. It's a total bandaid fix, right? So they've never sat down and thought, or maybe they have, but subconsciously, oh my God, this happened when I was five years old, you know, and I heard my mom berating her body and going on Weight Watchers or whatever it was. Right. And so then that's when it started. My relationship with food was a little, you know, complicated. And then my mom put me on a diet when I was 12 and then, you know, it just goes and goes and goes. And so it's important for them to kind of connect the dots in terms of, oh my God, like, this is why I have such a shitty relationship with food now. Cause look, this started way back then. And then it's also important for me um, and helpful for me to kind of pick out the nuggets that I think will be helpful for them. Cause it's really opposite of one size fits all the work I do with people. It's extremely individualized. So I'm listening to hear the things they say and kind of like the buzzwords they use and the experiences that they've gone through to kind of personally tailor the rest of our work together to mm. be the most supportive. So they'll, they'll just along that story, they'll point out certain things that I'm like, okay, I want to make sure we talk a lot about um, you know, stress eating, or I want to make sure we talk about breathing exercises or like whatever it is, um, or like the family dynamic or, you know, things like that. Mm. So that's really helpful just to kind of really ground our work together in, um, the specificity of their experience. That's amazing. And I know that, we're only scratching the surface here throughout <laughs> our conversation. And I know this work goes really, really, really deep. And you're you're touching on some of the things that you definitely, and because it's so tailored and individualized that you might cover with somebody, but like what, if somebody were to walk into your office and give their food and body story, what kind of things does your program really cover? Like in, in, as a whole, is that even a valid question to even ask? I mean, it seems like it'd be a complicated question to even try to answer. So I apologize if that question no, doesn't it's, land no, well. No, it's, it's, um, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I would say binge eating, mm-hmm. um, feeling like shit about your body. So negative body image. Those are the two mm-hmm. biggest things that I mm-hmm. work with. Um, binge eating, stress eating, emotional eating. Um, and then on the other side of that pendulum swing is restriction. So a lot of people are on this restrict binge cycle. I think that's really where I tend to operate a lot with people. I attract that, that, um, type of person that's been, you know, on a diet, off a diet, on a diet, off a diet for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our goal is to get them off of that, (laughs) but that's a huge, you know, they're either restricting or they're binging. 
Um, and the common thread kind of throughout, throughout all of that experience is, um, hating their bodies, you know, for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons, um, and not trusting themselves with food. Cause that's really the, the crux of the problem. I think is that we're kind of born knowing what to do. And then society gets his hands on us. And it's like, you can't trust your hunger to gum, drink water, you know, like yeah. you can't eat this food. It's too, you know, whatever it is. Right. And then, so then we have a lot of interest in that food and then, you know, it's not realistic to avoid it. So it's just society gets his hands on us and we, we'd stop losing, you know, we stop um, having that connection with our body and our mind and, and um, our relationship to food. And it just gets toxic really fast. Absolutely. And, and what you're, I think, about to talk like hint or, t- or not hint about, but what my, my spidey senses are saying <laughs> it's all about, and this is something that I worked with a dietitian before on intuitive eating. Yes. Intuitive eating. Here we are. <laughs> when I first heard this, because I am that person, I don't necessarily binge, but I've been on and off weight watchers, noon, uh, South Beach diet, you name it, I've done it. And I always come back to where I am. And then, and then I'm like, but then I think back and I'm like, oh my God, I used to be so thin. What happened? And when I was that thin, never appreciated myself to be that thin. I always wanted to be thinner. Right. And like now I'm at a point where I really do love who I am and I celebrate the body I'm in. And um, you know, we're working towards better goals. Good. That's but- awesome. When I first, when my dietitian at that time had first said to me, we're going to practice something called intuitive eating and you're going to cancel your Weight Watchers membership. And I was like, (laughs) we're going to do what? (laughs) She's like, so you're going to be able to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. And I was like, absolutely fucking not. Like, I am going to eat carrots then. (laughs) And like try to live off of care. Like you're out of your goddamn mind. Like that, it just felt like the floodgates. And this is probably, I don't know, 12 years ago, the floodgates had opened. And I was like, I don't trust myself Mm -hmm. because, but I'm not that person. Like I can have ice cream in the house. Won't even fucking touch it. I can. And I've learned that throughout the years that like, those are, I'm not triggered by food. I'm triggered by so many other things. And then that leads me to just whatever. Um, so when it comes to intuitive eating, like what, for those who don't know, what is it? How do you even start it? Like t- talk a little bit about that if you can. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think, you know, just to make uh, another important disclaimer is that you know, if this turns you off, if the idea of it turns you off, if the idea of deprioritizing weight loss turns you off, if the idea of trusting yourself, if like all of that, totally normal. It's probably part of your journey in some way, right? Um, and if you want a dietitian who will help you, you know, focus on weight loss and give you a, a really prescriptive meal plan, thousands, millions probably out there for you. Right. So the conversation we're having is, is against the grain. And I think it's important to just really recognize that, um, that if you want the alternative approach, go for it. There's a, yeah, so many more of that, of that, than there is this. Um, but I think it's important to kind of listen with an open mind and, and try to think of, you know, how it might work for you. 
Um, so intuitive eating was developed in 1995. So it's not new. And a lot of people think like, oh, what's this new intuitive eating thing? You know, it's not been developed in the past few years. It's just gotten a lot of traction within the last few years because people are sick of dieting. If you've noticed like Noom, Weight Watchers, like these these apps have really rebranded and tried to make it like, you know, we're about psycho- the psychology of eating and we're about trusting yourself. And, but we're still going to give you these points to follow. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, they're trying to get on this bandwagon of like, people are sick of dieting. People are sick of hating their bodies. Right. Um, and so a lot of people think it's like this new thing, but it's not, it's been around since 1995. And it was obviously being developed even before then, um, by two dietitians, Evelyn Trivoli and Elise Resch. Um, and it's backed by research, which I also think is really important, right? It's not like we just like pick this out of, you know, our ass and we're like, ah, oh, this sounds good. Let's try it. Right. It's like dietitians are required to kind of follow, ev- you know, what we call evidence-based practice because there's like over 125, 130 studies to support this. And the things we find with intuitive eating is, you know, greater self-esteem, obviously greater trust with food, but also some, um, improvements with like cholesterol, blood pressure, you know, we see health improvements from intuitive eating, um, that I think is really important to know. Cause a lot of people think like, Oh, if I'm not on a diet, you know, that I'm not giving a shit about, you know, what I'm eating and that I'm not giving a shit about my health. And it's actually, um, doesn't necessarily work like that. So there's great health benefits, great mental health benefits, you know, sort of all around what it really is in a nutshell, I call, um, like a mind, body, spirit approach to food. And the ultimate goal is to reconnect all of those things in terms of how you're orienting to food. So what a diet does is it really disconnects that, you know, your body might be telling you, I'm really craving this, but your diet is saying you have to eat, you know, half a cup of oatmeal with a quarter cup of blueberries and Mm -hmm. What if you don't like oatmeal? What if you're not in the mood for oatmeal? What if you need more food or less food or what, you know, so it's, it's a very, um, sort of like reconnection, reintegration of your mind, body, and spirit in terms of how you approach food, um, to really just listen to your body. Right. So it's, it's actually a big misconception is like, okay, eating whatever you want, whenever you want. The options are completely open. All foods fit. There are no restrictions or specific guidelines if you have to eat this or that. So that's, I think, where that comes from of like, I can eat technically Mm -hmm. whatever I want, whenever I want. The key is we want to try and connect you to, well, how does that make you feel really? Mm -hmm. Right. Because if I eat, I mean, I love, let's say ice cream. If I eat Mm -hmm. ice cream all day, every day, like technically that's what I would want. Right. But that's mm-hmm. just what my body, I mean, sorry, what my mind wants. What does my body want? My body's going to start to tell me, Lexi, I feel like shit. I need some vegetables. I need some broccoli. Like, please yeah. do something besides ice cream. Right. So like, yeah, we want to listen to all three facets of like a human being in terms of their relationship with food. And if you're paying attention, you are going to naturally be, you know, more in a balance with food, because if you're really listening to your body and your mind and your spirit in terms of how you're eating, that's not going to feel good for too long. Just kind of willingly no. eating whatever you want. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. That's why people go back on diets. Exactly. Because With I mean, that's back. exactly the, the, the cycle, the wash, rinse and repeat. Yeah. And I think, um, it's a, it's a scary thing for someone who has never, who has lived in a restrictive 
like binge diet yep. cycle for some of us 30, 40 years, maybe longer mm-hmm. to then just be like, wait, I'm listening to what? Yes. And like the other thing is, you know, like when you start tuning into what you want and you're like, oh God, potato chips sounds so good right now. And you're like, well, what do I actually really want? Do I want something salty? Do I want the crunch? Do I want, what would, if I would have like a cucumber with maybe like some tagine on it, like that, like chili, salty lime. Yum. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll put it on everything. (laughs) Um, Just directly. They want to support the pot. Like love. (laughs) Put it on mango. Mm, Girl. And um, like what, would that satisfy that? If it's a no and you really do want a handful of potato chips, fucking eat a handful of potato chips. Like, you don't need to, I think it's also taking that pause of being like, what do I really want? What yes. do I really want? Yes. You know, and it's not perfect. You're not going to get it a hundred percent, right. A hundred percent of the time, but you're gonna, if you just slow down and dial it in, like at least that's what intuitive eating has taught me over the last 12 years. So I think it's a beautiful philosophy and I fully support you in achieving that with your clients. Speaking of, and I wrote, when I wrote this question, I wrote, what does a healthy diet look like to you? And I don't like that word. And I liked your (laughs) word before, but like for someone when they start, and I don't even think this is something you probably after now, you and I having this conversation would even really talk about, it would be more like a, a healthy eating path. Like what does, if somebody is that something you even cover or is it more? Cause it's so individualized. Like it, like we just talked about, like it could be a healthy eating path where somebody might be like, like you said, oatmeal and blueberries in the morning, but maybe it's a chocolate cupcake midday. I don't fucking know. Like, is there such a thing? Does that even exist? Yeah, I think it does. That's my hope for people is that they can find a way of eating that is joyful, empowering, mm. balanced, um, and aligned with their values and what's important to them. And I think that to me is what a healthy quote unquote diet or eating path, whatever you want to call it, um, really consists of. And that's, I think a big struggle for the people that, you know, in the beginning of our work together, they're like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, restriction sucks, like binging sucks, like the way I'm doing things, you know, obviously sucks, but like, what else am I supposed to do? Right. It's like right. kind of really, it's hard when you're in shit to kind of see the other side of it. Yeah. Like could be a rainbow, right? Like there could be a positive relationship on the other side of whatever that yeah. is. And so my goal for them, you know, I always say, if I'm doing my job, right, like you're going to be listening way more to yourself than you are to me. I'm just going to guide you there. So I have them mm-hmm. do a lot of work to uncover what's important to them. What are their values? Because some people don't value health. That's okay. Like, yeah, we don't need to be the health police and like make sure everyone's eating in a way that's like supportive of their health. Some people don't value that. So do they value health? If they do, what sort of nutritional kind of like things can we think of to incorporate, you know, those, those things in there for them? If they have a history, you know, family history of heart disease, and that's important because, you know, they lost a loved one to a heart attack or something, right? Like mm-hmm. that's important to them. Right. And so we incorporate that. If someone is really interested in the environment, you know, like, is that something they want to focus on with the way they eat? Um, Mm. You know, I have one client who's a chef. And so for her, it's really important that like the food she eats, 
you know, is, um, local, like sustainable, that kind of thing, but also that she enjoys the process of cooking. And so to mm. me, that's what I can, you know, consider a healthy, you know, way of eating or diet. It's, it's extremely individualized to, to your values and what's important to you, whether that be physical health, mental health, spiritual health, etc. But I think if I was to say like one blanket statement on this, it would be, you know, a healthy diet is something that does not add stress to your life. Cause that's what wow. I see a lot, you know, people on whatever it is that it's stressing the fuck out of them. That's not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's yeah. way more unhealthy than any food you could ever eat. I think hundred percent. Wow. That was really beautifully said. And I am so inspired. <laughs> Inspired. So we have a handful of listener questions that we need to get to. Are you ready to dive in? Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> Jesse in California writes, diet culture feels so toxic. Jesse, we all agree with you. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I hate the word diet. <laughs> what are some of your favorite healthy habits to improve your overall well-being? Did you say Jesse? Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, from California. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I agree. We just went over the whole diet thing. So I think Jesse will like this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally agree. I would say three habits, you know, I actually just did an Instagram post on this, like, um, you know, cause as you were saying in the beginning of, of this, you know, it's, it's kind of diet season right now. So I'm actually slower, <laughs> like January, yeah. February is like my slow time. And then once everyone does the diets and they hate them, then they kind of like come to me in the spring. <laughs> so I'm just kind of sitting back waiting for everyone right now. Um, <laughs> but I did a post on like, you know, three healthy things to do instead of a diet this new year. Um, and I think the things I wrote, um, which are, you know, there's, a, there's many I could say, but I think top three, um, sounds weird, but phone time or like screen time, Oh, reducing okay. screen time. I think that, you know, that's kind of like a passion project on the side for me. I just think like social media and like screens in general are kind of really disconnecting people from themselves. Right. Cause uh, yeah, you can just mm -hmm. escape, 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 escape. And you're not dealing with things that you maybe, you know, want to be dealing with, or you're not present or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. so that's one thing, decreasing screen time, eating more vegetables. Um, only 10% of Americans eat enough fruits and vegetables, which I think, what do you define as enough? Um, I think that specific study that it's referencing is like, two to three servings a day or something like that. Oh, wow. It's nothing huge. I could Good be totally no. wrong. I'll let you know if that's yeah. the accurate no. statistic. We don't have to fact check it. I believe you. I'm in. I'm in. Um, but... I'm not Monica from Armchair Expert. I do love Monica <laughs> from Armchair Expert. And I do love their fact check, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with it. <laughs> you believe me, that's good. Well, I'll just tell you from my experience, I can see and people, you know, most of the people that I talk to work with see, you know, it's just not a lot and that's access is an issue. You know, there's a lot of mm -hmm. issues there, but I think eating more fruits and vegetables, like any kind of like coming at it from a health perspective, any health, you know, condition, um, that you could think of, you know, fruits and vegetables are supportive of like preventing that cancer, diabetes, heart disease, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, and then, um, Oh, exercise that you enjoy movement that you wow. enjoy, you know, if mm -hmm. you're able and willing to physically move and want to, um, stop putting yourself through exercise that is punishing or negative in any way. Cause again, that's not helping anything either. So mm -hmm. finding movement that you enjoy that maybe incorporates some of your other values. So if you value nature, getting out into nature, if you value, 
um, you know, your family going on a walk with your family, um, things like that. So yeah, those would be my, I love that. Absolutely love that. That's that's it's so important. And I completely agree with you on the phone time and reducing screen time. I, when I was a senior in college, which was a long, long, long time ago, (laughs) um, before this is like, Facebook had Facebook was pretty new and um, you still needed Facebook was so new that you still needed a college email address. In oh my order God. To on, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're there. Yeah. I wrote my senior thesis on um, the lack of interpersonal connection. And this is before like, I don't even, I think iPhones brand, I don't even know if iPhones were out yet, like brand new. Yeah. And I could already see the deterioration of, and now it's, it's so much more amplified than that. I mean, like it's to, lack of interpersonal connection is uh, one facet of it. And like, then it's like this whole monster yes. of just people yes. n- like, th- oh God, we won't even get into it, yeah. but I completely agree. Even I, this morning was like, I have got to stop doom scrolling on fucking Instagram. I have got to stop. Like I have to put my phone like, and I even have on my phone. It tells me to get off of it, but I don't listen. And I'm like <laughs> half it's watching hard. TV and half scrolling. They're meant and to be like, addicting. That's like the whole point. Absolutely. And I am fully addicted and I need to, I need to stop. So those are great things. And I am stopping with you and I, I, I'm signing the pledge of reducing my screen time. <laughs> you can, if you're doing a study, I will proudly be part of it. Um, but Patricia from Instagram writes, there are so many diets and fads. I mean, every, like every time you turn around, it's about keto, gluten-free, fasting, Adele's diet, the Mediterranean diet. And now celebrities are just skipping all of that and going straight to that diabetes drug, which I just saw a thing on, on the Today Show this morning. So fucking scary. Mm -hmm. I have been trying to lose weight for what feels like my whole life. And I'm so sick of trying to diet. What do you recommend doing to help lose pounds for good? work with you number one (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know that's what I say if someone has a desire for weight loss um if you know if we work together and we start doing certain things like addressing their relationship with food and whether that be binge eating or stress eating or sometimes it's not eating enough some people are just simply not eating enough or they're not eating all day and then they're eating a lot at night right so Mm -hmm. If someone's meant to lose weight as a result of the things we do by addressing their relationship with food and movement and self-care and these things, you know, it's not sexy work. I'll tell you that it's not sexy. Mm-hmm. It's not hot. You know, it's, I'll probably ask you to get a therapist to go even deeper. Right. But mm-hmm. it's worthwhile. And so if you're meant to lose weight as a result of that, your body will lose the weight as a result of that. And if not, you will definitely be left with a happier, healthier person overall and more mm-hmm. respect for your body and a better relationship with yourself mm-hmm. regardless. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm biased. I'm going to say work with me, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if someone, you know, I, I do like to give the disclaimer that if someone's like, no, I absolutely have to lose weight no matter what, I probably am not the dietitian for you. Cause I'm going to prioritize someone's relationship with food, at, you know, first and foremost, I will mm-hmm. not sacrifice that for weight loss, um, just my personal philosophy, but there's tons of people who will absolutely, you know, really focus on that. Just not me. 
Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like if she is sick of dieting and you've done the diet cycle, then try something else. You might as well try something else. else. Yeah. Yeah. And even just trying the three things you just recommended, where it's trying to eat a little more vegetable and fruit and just be and and trying to find a movement that you enjoy doing. Like one of the the threads to our entire conversation is just bringing more enjoyment enjoy into your life and doing things that you enjoy because there's so many things that people do that they feel like they have to do and it's like certain things you do have to do like there are you do have to wake up and get out of bed you do have to got a child you have to take care of your child like there are have (laughs) to's but then you also really need to make space for magic and for joy and even those have tos, if you reframe them, can sometimes be more joyful. It just mm-hmm. depends on. But you know, I mean, hey, I'm I, some days I'm in a Mexicoma, and I completely understand when <laughs> and you can't see it. So I, I get it. Um, Hadley in New York writes, "I'm not a huge fan of cooking. I do it, but I would much rather go out or just get delivery. What are your best tips for eating out and trying to be healthy without ordering a salad every time?" You said Hadley. Hadley. Um, I would say, um, looking at the menu ahead of time Mm -hmm. is crucial, you know, at least for me, I get, you know, overwhelmed (laughs) with like, just like sometimes the dining experience or takeout or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so preparing myself ahead of time to look at the menu and see what my options are. Um, and you know, it's kind of like, I was on this, like, radio show years ago and they were like what's the what's the best thing you could do you know with food right now to um you know improve your nutrition or whatever and I was like add broccoli to your mac and cheese mm. they were like wow really glad we invited you on this show oh <laughs> I'm just kidding it's true though like <laughs> I agree like that. that you know like something like you know if you're having pizza like maybe adding some veggies to it or having a side salad mm-hmm. or you know something within within your taste preferences that you enjoy. But I think just thinking about how you can have, you know, have what you want that you're really craving of like the calzone or the pizza or the pasta or the mac Mm -hmm. and cheese or the, you know, whatever it is, but then thinking, okay, how can I sort of add some, you know, even just keeping it simple, adding some vegetables in here, or sometimes people will get just pasta and they'll be still hungry, maybe adding some protein in there, like adding some chicken into that or, you know, something like that. But I think looking at the menu ahead of time is really helpful for me, even though Mm -hmm. my whole career centers around food and food relationship stuff, like just helpful for your brain to sort of like, you know, look at it ahead of time. I also hate cooking. So I hear you a hundred So I I love all of that. The thing that's worked for me over the years is not go into going out or getting takeout hungry. Like yes. I mean, by hungry, I mean like starving. Yes. Like, because there's a lot of times it's like, you don't go to the grocery store hungry if you can avoid it, because yeah. that is the, the, it is a minefield of just dumping shit in a cart. It oh, is a point. minefield. Like I can't even tell you how many times I've sat down and at dinner and ordered like me and my, whoever I'm eating dinner with my husband, friends, whomever, I am notorious for this. And we talk all about, oh, what are you getting? Okay. What are you getting? Oh, okay, great. And then the, the waiter comes over, the server comes over and I, everyone orders. I go last. And then I'm like, oh, and can we also get blah, 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 Just blah, word blah, vomit. Blah, <laughs> always, always, 
always. And people are like, I knew you were going to get those. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know, like surprise because I'm starving. And I should, if I eat just not even like, even just like a snack before I go out, I will eat less than, and it's not, it goes back to not being scared of food. Yes. Like a lot of people don't eat because they're scared of what the food will do to them. But then you go out to eat where you don't have control over what they're putting on your food and it tastes really good because you're really fucking hungry and then you really overeat and overdrink and then next thing you know you're like I feel like a bloated whale yeah that's what I feel like and it's almost impossible to eat the amount of food that feels good in your body when you're hangry it's just impossible I don't care where you're coming from what you're doing you know that goes for holidays too people are like I'm not gonna eat you know anything, you know, Thanksgiving morning, because we're eating a lot later, but then you end up eating, you know, more than feels good. And then no yeah. one's happy. So yeah, that's a really great tip to make sure you're not going into things hangry, hangry for sure. Decisions get weird. Yeah. And I get hangry. Um, <laughs> trust me when, if I say to somebody, Oh, I'm so hungry. If I say that more than three times, they like, give you a like bar. <laughs> oh my God. Like I'm like Betty White, like give me a fucking Snickers, even though I don't really care for Snickers. No offense, Snickers. If you want to sponsor us, like sponsor us, but it's not my go-to. Um, Allison Toronto writes, I have never met with a nutritionist, but I am curious to see if it's something that could work, that something I could find helpful in my health journey. How would I know if this is right for me? Allison Toronto. Mm-hmm. Hi, Allison Toronto. <laughs> for this question. Um, I am a dietitian. Obviously we've gone over that and I have worked with three different dietitians in my lifetime. Um, what the, the most recent one being only a few years ago, um, I had some gut health stuff going on and, and saw one, but I've seen one for my relationship with food. I've struggled with my own relationship with food, disordered eating, body image stuff. Saw one for that. Saw one for the gut health. Um, so I'm a big proponent of like, kind of, if the resources are available and you're able to hundred percent do it, you know, I think everyone, <laughs> I, I would love to live in a world where everyone can afford both a therapist and a dietitian. Yeah. Great. You know? Um, so even as much as I know about food and blah, 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 it's like, you can't, you can't help your own self with your own self. You know, I need someone with outside perspective to kind of be like, Hey, Lexi, like, have you thought of this? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like we just, we can't heal ourselves. It's just, I think, you know, I mean, to a certain extent with other things, but with this stuff, I think it's just really helpful to sit down and talk with someone, you know, about mm-hmm. this stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, a really good thing that we should define for the listeners is there is a very distinct difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Yes. Now, what are, when people start Googling these things, what are the main differences? So, um, a dietitian, you have to, you know, adhere to pretty strict guidelines in terms of like your education, you have to do a supervised practice internship, you have to, you know, sit for a board registered, you know, dietitian exam. Um, It's very um, thorough, right? And you can treat medical conditions as a dietitian. So diabetes, you know, um, heart disease, cancer, eating disorders, etc. And so, especially if someone's thinking they might be on the disordered eating, eating disorder spectrum, which I think is vast. And a lot of people fall on that just because of our society. Um, 
to go, go for a dietitian because you're going to, it, you know, you're most likely in, in good hands that are going to be able to kind of support you through whatever medical condition, you know, you may or may not have along the way. The, the nutritionist piece is hard because I do think a lot of nutritionists bring a lot to the table. You know, I do have friends mm-hmm. who are nutritionists who are not dietitians, you know, and I think they do good work with people. So it's hard because it's not a, a nice, even like, you know, kind of black and white line here. Um, I think what's most important is to um, think about what's important to you. If you do have any medical conditions, you want to make sure that are, you know, supported, definitely go the dietitian route. A nutritionist, we just have to be careful because there's no like sort of governing body around them. Um, dietitians have to do CEUs, you know, we're kind of like held under the, you know, under the um, magnifying glass a little bit and nutritionists are just kind of like out there. Right. And so yeah. it, it could be great but they could be not great. And I've seen a lot of nutritionists do a lot of harm with people because they're just not, they don't have the education. They don't have the experience in the background to be able to support people in the best way. So I think yeah. just be wary is my advice. Cause it's not, you know, there are also some dietitians who suck too. So it's like, it's hard because it's not a nice, even, you know, answer, but I think also following your gut, if your gut says someone's kind of, you know, going to do shitty stuff or weird, then totally. And with a dietitian, you're licensed, right? Like you go through a licensing process and like any, I mean, really anyone can be a nutritionist with a couple of programs and not even programs. You just say, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So Alice look for a dietitian. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing wrong with nutritionists, but like you did say, (laughs) I've never met with a nutritionist, but you, you want to meet with a dietitian. And plus I think Toronto and Canada has pretty good healthcare. So I'm pretty sure it might be universal. So it might, it might be covered. (laughs) Um, Quinn from Instagram writes, I've tried so many weight loss programs over the years from Noom to Weight Watchers and others with some success, but I haven't managed to keep the weight off I want. What do you feel about these programs? And do you think there is anything someone could do if they are on these programs to help with the success to make a bigger and long lasting impact? Um, I have a big soapbox I won't get on about these um, Weight Watchers, Noom, things like that. Um, And if they're working for someone, great. And if someone, you know, feels like they are the right path for them, that's awesome. And I support that. But from my own personal experience working with people for now, you know, I think I'm going on my 12th year at this point. I just have seen them do a lot, lot, lot more harm than good. I've seen them, mm-hmm. you know, like we said, Band-Aid fix. They're not really addressing the underlying stuff that's going on with people um, and tends to get pretty obsessive pretty quick with like weighing things, measuring things and pointing things and calorieing things. Um So I think, you know, my philosophy is to try and get away from those things and work with someone on sort of what we talked about, you know, in this episode, like the underlying kind of relationship with food that maybe even started, like we said, back when you were five years old. Um, And so to do some of this, you know, like I said, not sexy kind of dirty work around, um, you know, really healing that relationship with, with food in your body. And what I tell people a lot, you know, with the weight loss piece is that you'd be really surprised at how, how you end up feeling about weight loss when we improve your body image. Cause if we can even start to just peel back the layers of the onion a little bit to see why people feel like such shit about their bodies. There's some study from the dove. Um, they did like a dove beauty study or whatever. 90% of women hate their bodies. 
Mm-hmm. 90%. I believe, I believe right? that. It's like everyone does. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think we have a body dissatisfaction epidemic. That's what I think it is. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really big on a high horse about this, but people would be surprised. You know, people are surprised. The clients I work with are surprised. They might want weight loss in the beginning, but as you start like kind of seeing like, where does that desire come from? Why does everyone hate their body so much? Like mm-hmm. just kind of peeling back those layers. You might be surprised to see as a result of that, that your body's maybe not so bad, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's okay. Maybe, yeah. you know, again, totally. this is a lot of thin privilege, but maybe. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, some people like myself included need to be very mindful of their weight because of, I have a, uh, a chronic illness called IIH. And so it's, uh, because of my weight is what flares it up, which is, um, the, my optical nerves swell due to the pressure in my brain caused by excess weight in my body. And it's very common. Well, it's idiopathic. So they don't, they don't know, but it's very common in women who are, uh, childbearing ages and even getting out of childbearing ages who are, uh, overweight. And so, uh, I got diagnosed with it. 2020 fun year. It's a great year. It was a great year. (laughs) Yeah. Great memories. Uh, as I've lost, as I've reduced and let go of weight, put, uh, put weight down, I have seen through the doctor's improvements in the IH. And it's something that for me, I have to be very mindful of my entire life because, um, I could lose my vision and, you know, being a photographer, I don't want to among many things that I lose my vision just because of that, <laughs> but, but because of a lot of reasons. And so, um, and I'm sure people come to you for a vast amount of reasons. And I agree with you that 90% of women, I would dare say probably close to that of men. There are or at least 75% of men probably are dissatisfied with their bodies mm-hmm. as well, or something on their bodies. Right. And like, I think, like you said, it is a huge issue and epidemic in our world and society that's been going on for a very long, long, yeah, eons of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So thanks to Lizzo and other women who celebrate their curves and uh, their bodies. And we, I love Lizzo. And so (laughs) amen to that. Um, Okay. Two more listener questions. Kristen in New Hampshire writes, there is so much trash out there in the media when it comes to nutrition. What is your take on food myths? I think I understand this question. Um, kind of like fads, like like fad diets, like food myths. That's what I think of, like a fad diet. Yeah, I agree, Kristen. Trash, absolute trash. trash. Yeah, it's uh, trash. Never seen it work. Never seen no. it work to make someone's relationship with food better. Never seen it work to be healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of people that can make money off of these fads and supplements and this and that, um, which I always think is interesting. The people who are selling the supplements are like, eat clean, eat this, eat that. And then like, they're like, here's a supplement. It's made in a lab. Yeah. Here's a synthetic it. supplement that <laughs> is not approved by the FDA. There's no regulation on it. Take it. Just take it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the, the new Ozempic thing. It's so bananas crazy. And now I I saw it this morning on the today show, these, the women are taking it and now they're getting what they call Ozempic face. And it's like this 
this rosacea that gets on their face and then they're they're now bummed because their face is sagging and because of the amount of weight loss that they're having there's no more plumpness so people are getting filler in their face to make their face plump again i was like you have got to be how and then they even had a board certified so-and-so person on there saying like well but you know that's just a, a, a symptom of weight loss that you just, your, your skin starts sagging and think of like the Savannah and Hoda were both like, so you think that women taking Ozempic is okay that are not diabetic. And then she was like, well, we're preventing diabetes in a lot of women by them losing all this weight. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. They're going to get off this and if you take it off uh label then you're paying thousands of dollars to take this drug a month once they stop taking the drug they're gonna gain all the fucking weight back exactly. because they didn't do any of the work exactly. to figure out why they have this weight in the first place and so like the diabetes are coming regardless like and then like, diabetics don't have like there's a shortage they can't get of the that drug. drug yes for diabetics it's so whole- fucked up so fucked up yeah that's america this is welcome to america this is this is how we do things here i know right like just eat some vegetables eat some fish (laughs) i don't know don't eat fish you're vegetarian don't eat fish but eat like i don't know i don't know have a green smoothie parker from the last last listener question parker from instagram writes i love sweets i would eat dessert before dinner without question every day if i could but i'm an adult with some sort of self-control so i do wait most of the days but i have to eat something sweet after lunch and dinner like i can't think about anything else until i eat that sweet do you have any tips or ideas for sweets that i can indulge in without guilt oh parker um i hear I'm a little you. pumpkin i love yeah. sweets i hear you, you. I think there's a lot of different ways this conversation could go depending on the person. So I would have a lot of questions for Parker. I would have a Mm. lot of questions about like their view on sweets, where that came from, why have they been on any restrictive diets that they had to avoid sweets. And so now they're able to eat sweets and it feels like the floodgates are open or are they from a different country that has a different philosophy on sweet? Like, I just have a lot of questions for Parker that I unfortunately can't ask. Um, But that's just a little glimpse into why this, these these conversations around someone's relationship with food are so important. Cause it's not like, you know, if you would ask me 10 years ago, this question, I would have been like some really like just boring, like basic answer of like, do this, not that, whatever. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't work like that. I would say to, bring some acceptance in, into this situation tends to always help. So when people are like, I'm doing this thing with food that I feel guilty about, or like I shouldn't be doing, listen, sweets are the shit. They just are dessert. is awesome. A lot of other countries incorporate it into every meal. Right. And they have way better relationships with food than we do. And so I think we can take a page out of their book. You know, I think about like France, for example, like they have whatever it is that they're adding in, you know, I've been to Italy, so I guess I'll speak to that. Yeah. Like the cannoli or the gelato or the whatever, almost every meal has some sort of sweet, you know, vibe Mm -hmm. and they feel Mm -hmm. a lot better towards sweets for that. Right. And so we in America, we demonize sweets. You're bad. You're guilty. You're wrong. You shouldn't have that. You should only live on salads and be satisfied with that. Never have any sweets and never have any carbs or anything fun. It doesn't work. It does the exact opposite. So I think bringing some acceptance into this 
situation can immediately lift some of that burden and pressure, you might even find that you're less interested in them. Cause it's kind of like that bad boy effect. It's like, I want what I can't have. Right. Yeah. Like I yeah. want the thing I'm like not supposed to have or not supposed to want. So then I want it like way more. So when mm-hmm. we see kids and their relationship with food and sweets, we see that when we offer them sweets every single night after dinner, Sometimes they take it. Sometimes they don't. They might even only take it twice out of seven nights because it's Mm. always there. They know it's Mm -hmm. there. It's not a bad thing. It's just part of my dinner, just Mm -hmm. like my broccoli and my chicken and my rice. Maybe I'll take it or leave it. So Mm. I know that's kind of like maybe not the answer that Parker wanted, but it's the answer that I, I, I love that. (laughs) No, and I, I think it's so important. And the other thing that I loved that Parker wrote was that they didn't say treats. They said sweets mm-hmm. because I hate when people, and I shouldn't say hate, but it's if, so I already feel like Parker's in a better place than if somebody yeah. had wrote, oh, I love treats. I love, I love special treats that I can, you know, cause then you're putting this emphasis on like, oh, it's special. I can only have it. And there's a right. restriction, a restrictiveness to it where, yeah. um, so I agree with you, Parker, eat the sweet eat the sweet. Like you do you, boo. Like eat the sweet. I like a sweet. And I Conversation is making me want something sweet. I know. Right. All right. So what do you, I know you're not, you just said you don't cook, but I'm sure you do cook a little bit, but what are you cooking right now? I ask everyone this. What are you cooking right now in your own kitchen? Um, you're going to laugh, but, um, two things. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know if you would call this cooking, but I'm on a huge egg salad sandwich kick. I know that's like really random, but I actually been posting on my Instagram of like asking what people put in their egg salad sandwiches or egg salad. People are giving me the best stuff, like pickles people put in that I did. And I was like, I can't believe I haven't been doing this forever. Just getting a lot of, getting a lot of fun content with the egg salad stuff. Love that. Um, And then for breakfast, this is so random, but I'm really into toast with a piece of melted Swiss cheese, avocado, and egg. I melt the Swiss cheese in the toaster. So like I toast the toast a little bit, but then I do the broil setting and then melt the cheese. So it's kind of like, you know, that like crispiness that happens when you do that. Oh my God. My mouth's watering. And then I do like a fried egg. Um, and then some avocado on it and then maybe some hot sauce. It's like, I had it every day all week. I'm still not sick of it. It's so good. It's kind of like a croak. Um, my, madame, madame sort of. Yeah. You know, it's not too outlandish, but I don't know. I just randomly had this craving for Swiss cheese and avocado. And I was like, then I, you know, kind of went. And those are two items. I like, I like avocado and I like cheese, but I wouldn't because Swiss cheese has a real punch to it in terms of cheese cheese land and um <laughs> i love that though i'm like writing this okay. down because i'm always looking for new breakfast ideas always yeah. and so i'm in like yeah. you had me at hello okay <laughs> how can people find you how can they get a hold of you so the best place and the place i'm most active is instagram um i don't have facebook i don't have tiktok um and it's at lexi penny so it's at l-e-x-y and then p-e-n-n-e-y that's the best place I would love, like, especially people like DM me, like talk, I just love to talk to people on there. Like I'm very just friendly in general, but I just, I like my Instagram community. So if you follow me, definitely message me. I want to know like where you're from, et cetera. Um, 
And then my website is lexipenny.com. So if they want to know more about like the work I do, book a free intro call to talk more about working together, that's just, you know, same spelling, lexipenny.com. Love that. Okay. Last question. Last question. Last, I ask everyone this. If you had all the money in the world, where are you going and what are you eating? Oh, this is such a good question. Where am I going? What am I eating? Yeah. Anywhere. I've always Anything. wanted to go to Brazil. Oh, okay. Um, I don't really know why, honestly, <laughs> I just okay. always, um, felt drawn to it. So I don't know. Cause I know they eat a lot of meat. Um, I don't know what necessarily I'm a bit. So been to Brazil. Yeah. My brother lives in Brazil. No so way. If you ever go, yeah. So if you ever want to go to Brazil, you please got, let me know. Yeah, and I, I will. will any, I will get a whole itinerary for you and I'll even come with you because Amazing. my brother, like, uh, yeah. Um, it's very, for an American, it's very inexpensive to travel in Brazil. One of the things Brazil is very known for, especially, um, certain parts of Brazil is cheese. They Good. love cheese. I'll go there cheese. then. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'll just eat all oh, yeah. cheese. And they have this one cheese that I, so when I went, I went for two weeks and we, we started, he lives in Rio and then we went from Rio and he rented this house in this area called uh Angra dos Reis and it's like this islands don't matter and so we're driving along and all of a sudden my brother's like oh my god a cajeria and he pulls off the side of the road and it's like a dirt fucking road and there's this little sign and we went in and it looked like a little hut and this guy made homemade cheeses out of nowhere like you this wasn't like when you're in America and you're like, oh, look, wine country. Mm -mm. No, no, there was chickens and it was a dirt floor. And I was like, what are we doing? He's like, oh, no, we're getting we're getting cheese. And there's this one cheese called Heke Jiao. And it, it's like they put it on like toast in the morning. It's a breakfast cheese, but it's like liquidy, like melted brie. It's right up the, my alley. This is like, you're gonna, you, I, there's a. <laughs> I live in an area that has a Brazilian, a big Brazilian population here in Massachusetts, and I can get you some really good Heke Jiao. I will, I will get you some and I will meet you in Brighton and we'll have coffee and I'll give you Heke <laughs> Sounds amazing. Like, it's amazing. And it tastes like melted brie and you just keep it in your fridge and then you spoon it and put it on things. Ooh. So you, my friend, will eat just fine yeah. in Brazil. They, they, there's many, 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 many things that are vegetarian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love this adventure for you. Yeah. Lexi, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I love having you as a new friend in my life. You're uh, just a joy and a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yay. All right. I'll see you soon, girl. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Lexi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Oh, what a gem of a human. I will link all of her information to the show notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. If you've got questions for the podcast, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. Make some yummy food together this weekend. Lead with kindness and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.